God likes playing in the mud. Our text this morning is John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessing upon us this morning. We pray that you'd open your word to us, reveal its mysteries to us, cause us to understand it, and cause us to do it. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There have been some heavy rains recently in California, and many of the local roads are closed because they are clogged up with mud, because mud is a nuisance and clogs everything up. When God makes mud, he creates things, and it's anything but a nuisance. When Jesus makes mud, the only thing that gets clogged up is death and unresurrected living. This morning in the Gospel of John, we'll see that there's power in the mud. There's power in the mud. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to John chapter 9. We're going to begin at verse 1. John chapter 9, verse 1. And it says there, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now, the context is this. Jesus has just been in the temple. Jesus has just exited the temple. This is where all the destitute are laid who are begging at the gate of the temple. He just exited the temple where the scribes and Pharisees, spiritually blind men, accused him of being a demon-possessed Samaritan, and they tried to stone him to death. As he exits, there's a destitute beggar there, one who is blind from birth. Now, I want you to notice here the question that occurs here. Who sinned that this man was blind? Was it this man's sin? Now, notice he was born blind, so how could that be? Was it his parents? And you see, this is a question that would have come up very typically in Israel in the first century. The assumption always was when some calamity came on someone or they received some sort of disease, it was because of sin. And I want to say this. This text is not saying that sin doesn't cause calamity, that sin is not the origin point for some disease that a person has. In fact, very often it can be. Quite often. Physical maladies are connected with spiritual maladies. But in this case, this man, it wasn't him, it wasn't his parents who sinned, but God ordained it. God predestined this man in this condition to be born blind, to be in this precise place, and at this precise time when Jesus, the Messiah, was passing by. Going on to verse 4. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now the light is shining until the cross. Jesus is walking through this world, bringing light to the world, but darkness will come at the cross, and until then, Jesus has work to do walking among men. This man is blind and dark as Jesus makes mud from what? Dirt. He makes mud from what? 
the dust of the earth. In the beginning, God created man from the dirt. I'm assuming it was kind of like mud because he pulled it all together and he created the man. And then the spirit breathed the nefesh, the breath of life, and man became a living being in the image of God. But we see here Jesus is making mud from dust. Note that he made the mud. This is new creation. We've got the theme of light here. And so pointing back to the original creation, let there be light. And he sent to the pool of Siloam. He sent to the pool of of Siloam, which means sent. And what happens? Well, friends, a blind man is, as it were, baptized. And now he sees, and now he is sent. He was sent to the pool, and now he comes back as the sent man. But notice that Jesus disappears from our story. Going out of verse 8. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. Now I want you to know something else here, a little, a little side hustle here. You notice that this man is begging. You notice that this, is, this man is handicapped. He's laid at the gate of the temple. This is how it works in first century Israel. Everybody knows who the beggars are. They come to the temple. It's a small city of about 50,000 people outside of the, the great festivals. And so everybody knows who these people are that are laid at the gate of the temple that beg. The priests come out and deal with them periodically. So what do you have here? You've got people that are destitute and are handicapped. They're not able-bodied. That's what a beggar is in the first century that Jesus blesses. Now notice, nobody recognizes this man now. When a person is transformed by Jesus, they become something new. They become sighted. They're renewed. They're joyful. In fact, it almost feels at times like there's something physically transforming about it. Now this man had actually received new eyeballs. His old eyes were transformed and renewed. The ones that did not see, the ones that were blind, now see. But I want to suggest to you that when people come to Jesus and they receive the Holy Spirit of God, oftentimes there's a spark in their eyes. There's a newness about them. There's joyfulness, and people don't recognize them. Is that Bill? He looks different. He looks happy. Is that Maria? She doesn't even look the same. What happened? What happened to the blind man? Going on to verse 13. They brought him to the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received sight, and he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such things? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? Since he has opened your eyes, he said, He is a prophet. And notice what happens here. Blind men argue among themselves about this obvious, joyful, stupendous miracle. But the new man sees that Jesus is from God. 
He sees that Jesus is from God, and at the very least, he is a prophet of God. Verse 18, the Jews did not believe that he'd been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but now now he now sees and we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. Do you see how the thing shifted? And by the way, you notice something that we saw last week with the Samaritans. You remember the Samaritans last week? Jesus preaches to them, Jesus speaks words to them, and they believe. But here, notice, in Israel, we've got these leaders of Israel, and first of all, they're saying, well, this can't be the man. This must be some sort of hocus-pocus here. And then they narrow it down with the parents saying, yeah, that's him. And then they begin to question the miracle itself. Now we've gone beyond questioning whether a miracle occurred, but now they're starting to say, this can't be a true miracle because Jesus can't do this. Jesus, in our worldview, is a false prophet. Blind men are so caught up in their blind rage that they ruin this beautiful moment. This is how this moment should have operated. The parents and the son and the Pharisees should be rejoicing and feasting in this wonderful miracle, this gift of God, a blind man receiving his sight, a man born blind. Verse 24. For the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, but you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? Blind men repeat the same sins over and over again because they cannot see. They say to this man, give glory to God, not to this Jesus. As though this man wasn't giving glory to God already. And as the story unpacks, as you look at this, you see that maybe the Pharisees know a lot about tradition, but this blind man hearing the word of God all of his life knows more about the scriptures than they do. Here is a genuine, verifiable miracle. Not like the kind of stuff you see on TV. You you got these healers that come up and they're like, oh yeah, you, right there in the front row. Um, You have a tumor in your stomach and I'm gonna remove that tumor. Now, there's been no verification of it. The guy hadn't been diagnosed. Place his hands on the person. The tumor's gone. Well, how do you know if there was a tumor there in the first place? Or people saying things like, yeah, this guy had a, had a rotten tooth and I prayed over him and gold teeth suddenly appeared over the top of that. I've spent a lot of time amongst Pentecostals, was once one myself. I've never seen anything verifiable. I've heard all kinds of stories about, yeah, well, someone told me that this guy over here knew a guy who raised a guy from the dead. 
And over here, this person over here told me about something that happened at a revival meeting where hands were laid and this person who had a giant tumor inside their skull and it disappeared. But look at this, friends. Everybody sees. Everybody knows. Everybody, as they would have gone to the temple every Sabbath day, they would have seen this man born blind. And in a small city like Jerusalem, everybody knew this man was born blind, but now he sees. Everyone knows, but it is the blind who don't want to see it. Verse 28, and they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born in utter sin, and you would teach us, and they cast him out. Now the sent man who went to the pool of the sent and then comes back looking for Jesus, who now sees physically, also sees spiritually. Now notice this entire scenario because we see things like this coming up again and again. We see this, this man born blind and, and the Pharisees come up and they start questioning him. They start testing him. Where does that authority come from? It's not coming from the Bible. Who are the scribes and the Pharisees according to the scriptures? What authority do they have? They have none. In fact, there's no command for someone who's born blind to do anything to present themselves to a priest because it's never happened this way before. You see with leprosy, people that have diseases of the skin, when they're healed, they go through a process. Or if they've touched a dead body, they have seven days of cleansing and they present themselves to a priest. I would assume with this amazing miracle that has never happened before that they might think we should go see a priest. That that's where authority might lie. But instead, the Pharisees seize his power to themselves and they begin to act like they're the authorities. And they can't see. They can't see. Friends, this man's got it right. Never has something happened like this before. A man born blind but now sees. And the question that lies behind this is, who opens the eyes of the blind? Kids, who opens the eyes of the blind? In Psalm 146, verse 8, it says, the Lord, the word there is actually the, the title, the name of God, Yahweh. Yahweh opens the eyes of the blind. In Isaiah chapter 35, verse 5, speaking of the coming of the kingdom and the coming of the king, when Messiah comes, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Who opens the eyes of the blind? God does. God does. And Jesus just opened the blind man's eyes. The sent man learns the cost of sight and being sent by Jesus. He is cast out by blind men. Verse 35 in chapter 9. Jesus heard that they'd cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe and he worshiped him. Jesus said, for judgment I came into the world 
that those who do not see may see and those who see may become blind. Jesus went looking for this man. Jesus went looking for this man. The good shepherd went to find his sheep. He went to find the one who persevered. Jesus is a good shepherd that comes looking for us. Can I hear an amen to that? The son of man, the title that Jesus gives himself here. Do you believe in the son of man? You remember that? We looked at that over the last couple of weeks from Daniel is where it arises. The son of man is the mysterious God-man figure from Daniel. In his vision, he sees a man with a beard wearing white robes doing the things that God does, controlling the entire cosmos. Do you believe in the Son of Man? The man sees and worships Jesus. He has divine insight on who Jesus truly is. Not an angel. An angel would have said, stand up and worship God, but Jesus is worshiped by the man, and Jesus receives the worship. The story is one of reversals from dust to glory. In the beginning, God took the dust of the earth and he breathed into it the breath of life and man became a living being, glorified dust made in the image of God, made to reign and rule over all that God had, but we fell. And in Genesis chapter three, verse 19, it says, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust and to dust you shall return. The dust is a curse. But here we see the dust becomes glorious and Jesus makes mud out of it and gives sight. Jesus resurrects the blind man as it were. And notice that the low become high. The low become high. Those who see become blind and those who are blind see. Luke chapter three verse five. Every valley shall be filled and every mountain and hill shall be made low and the cricket Crooked shall become straight. Jesus is about reversing the curse and reversing the way of the world. And you and I are part of that. He's bringing down the kingdoms. He's raising up the lowly. Maybe he's bringing our nation down. We want to reject the ways of God. But don't despair. God's mindful of you. Because first and foremost, you're not a citizen of the United States of America but you're a subject of the kingdom of God and God's gonna bring something good, something better, he always does. Verse 40, some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt, but now that you say we see, your guilt remains. The sinner is worse than the blind. He is blind and he doesn't even know it the blind leaders of Israel. And for them, this is even doubled as they should have known, and yet, they don't believe and they lead others astray. They remain unrecreated mud. I took a big blob of red-orange mud from a storage bag and slapped it down on the workbench, and then I worked the image that I had sketched into the shapeless piece of mud. Slowly, the lump took the shape of a family standing together and when it had been dried and baked in the kiln the mud had become a sculpture my masterpiece that I entered in an art show in the beginning God made man of the dust of the earth gloriously in his image of glorified mud but after the fall the glorified mud became worthless mud but in Jesus all things become new even mud 
which becomes a masterpiece of new creation. This morning in the Gospel of John, we've seen there's power in the mud. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, may we rejoice the work of new creation that you are doing through your people all through this age. Taking old busted down piles of dust and breathing new life into us and preparing us for eternity. May we rejoice in this and may we spread the good news even this week for we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.